Hi, Leanne Donoghue-Tamplin here. Today I interviewed Sharon Donoghue-Tamplin, my sister, and she's a high school teacher, and she's gonna talk about her, um, the adversities she's overcome, one, one in particular, and how she got through it, the toughest thing she got through in her life. And I wanted to let you know, just a, a bit of a heads up, that uh, she and I sound a lot alike, so you might need to be looking at the screen so you know who is speaking at what time. Uh, I have heard that from other people before. And also, a number of her pets were around her at uh, throughout the interview, and at times they wanted to be heard as well. So, you know, I hope you're okay to listen to the animals talking as much as my sister. And uh, thanks, and I'll give you some more information back here again soon. So do you want to, can you tell me a bit about what obstacle or challenges were the, the toughest things for you to get through? The toughest obstacle in my life would have been when my husband issued uh, papers to have uh, total custody of my children. Right. Okay. All right. So that, was it a, a surprise for you to get that information? Absolutely was a surprise because we had been going through uh, some counselling sessions talking about um, me moving to Queensland and how we could uh, work out the um, custody agreements. And we were with a counsellor going through all of that. And we, the counsellor and I felt that we'd come to an agreement. And so I left the office uh, of the counsellor and the next day resigned from my job. I gave notice to the real estate agent that I was moving. Um, I started uh, looking for a, to buy a property up in Queensland because that was one of the reasons that we were moving was because I could not afford to purchase anything in Sydney. Um, and also one of the reasons was that during those counselling sessions prior to the negotiating happening, the... Um, a uh, counsellor had said to me that it would be wise to move the children away. Right. Um, that things had not gone well when he had remarried and his new wife uh, was very young and it was having a detrimental impact on my children and I needed to get them away. And then he, instead of agreeing to it, he custody for custody. I got a phone call. I was at work and I got a phone call from my lawyer uh, to say that he had some bad news for me and he read out the paperwork which said that um, he wanted the total to, uh, 100%. custody of, yeah. of the children. And um, uh, I am a teacher and uh, I was beside myself sobbing. Yeah. And I had to go and teach a lesson. So other teachers had to go and, and cover that lesson for me because I wasn't capable of yeah, right. thinking. It, it was totally a shock. And so the, the, the kind of the process of that was that you got, you found that out yep. and then, then you had to put all of those plans you had in place on hold. Is that right? I Correct. I had to bring back the real estate agent. I had to not resign from my job. So you, you couldn't leave until leave. that was sorted. That. Uh, he was he was basically saying that if I was leaving, I'm uh, I was leaving on my own. Is yeah, what right. Yeah. Wanted the children to stay with him. And um, 
and so uh, how long so from the time you found that out um to when it was all resolved how long a period of time was that um was it a year was it six months was it, it the the my brother passed away our brother passed away and uh in march and about two weeks after that process uh i got the the phone call from the lawyer so i had not even got past the grieving for my brother and uh so it was uh, multiplied the, yeah. the grief was multiplied I agree. uh it took uh, we actually did win the battle and we came to queensland on the 22nd of december right uh, so it took all the way from March until December. So almost nine months. Correct. Close to nine months. Correct. For the process, it yeah. once we got up here, it took me a long time to feel like I was free. Yeah. So. Um, but, the, but the process of process. That, that issue of custody being resolved, sorted, and now you can move. That's correct. The whole nine months. Yeah. So during that nine months period, so, and can I also just to clarify, um, the, that process involved, um, you know, paperwork, organising, solicitor, you know, negotiating affidavits, and then court the case. court case, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then and then you know going back and finding out a final resolution. Yeah. That's correct. That's correct. And, and then and then planning again for the trip again. So then leaving correct. your job again, you know, starting correct. all over again. Yeah. Correct. So correct. a nine months process that involved a whole lot of different steps and stages. Sure did. Yeah. And the whole time, because right from that beginning point when you were so overwhelmed is that feeling you were describing yes. um, and kind of in shock. Yes. So the whole time you're highly stressed, you know, kind oh, of still got to like work, you know. Shock for nine months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was very, very hard to, because I had to keep working. Yeah, and looking after the kids. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And allowing visitation and actually encouraging visitation because uh, the kids didn't want to go. Yeah. Uh, but lawyers were telling me if I, I did not uh, encourage them or get them to go, I had to get them to go. To go visit with uh, their it father. Would, it would look poorly in the courtroom when we came to court. So um, uh, it was. I remember going to the doctor's office one morning instead of going to work, uh, dropping the kids off and then going straight to the doctor's office and just sitting there and, and, and sobbing and saying to him, I'm, I, I, I don't, can I, I don't think I can do this. I, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And so he's, um, he was able to give me some um, antidepressants at the time. Um, and that, uh, helped me greatly and whatever he said to me which i can't tell you what he said because i can't remember he said to me uh, made me stand up and say i'm not i'm not going to give in i'm going to fight so interesting because that's actually my my question was did you ever want to give up or feel it was impossible to keep going oh most certainly and and that that one that one particular day i remember um quite vividly it, it, it's a vivid memory uh sitting there in the doctor's office saying i don't i'm not i can't i can't i can't i, I can't get up i can't i can't keep doing this yeah. um, 
and that was the the total stress and when i explained the situation to him um he was um kind of gobsmacked and said you you're doing really well yeah. <laughs> keep going <laughs> yeah yeah right. and so because uh, the next part of that question is how did you keep going and what you're saying is for, you reached out initially so when you got to yes. the point of the brick wall you actually yep. reached out and got some help from someone. Well, I knew I wasn't coping yeah I, knew I wasn't coping and I I couldn't not cope yes we yeah. had had to know, keep going two children on the line yeah needed me mm. to not falter so yeah. I had to get up, dust myself off and go again and keep fighting. And it Put your big girl panties on, as they say. Correct. Put my <laughs> <laughs> I think I, over the process, I, I can look back now at the process and see the dramatic changes that happened with me. I was a woman that um, before going to those counselling sessions, those initial counselling sessions with my ex-husband, um, I couldn't talk and I would speak with you again before I went and you would help me because you type up the things I needed to say. Yeah. And so we would uh, uh, guess what he was going to argue <laughs> and I'd go in with a typed up sheet. And so when he'd say them, I would, instead of just going quiet and saying yes, which mm -hmm. is what I, I actually would do. I would look down at that sheet and I'd actually talk from that sheet because mm -hmm. I, these are the things I needed to say. Mm -hmm. And I had learnt in the marriage just not to say them. I know I'm making him sound like a monster. <laughs> He'll he, never see this. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> he had grown up in a terrible environment in which he had been abused and manipulated. And so this was, it, it was a common, mm. his control was a common thing for him. Do you uh, know what, can, I, can I add as well that I think for a lot of women, the stress of those situations when you're put on the spot, and it's not everyone, but yeah. for a lot of women, that makes it, like a lot of women talk about the court case. Yeah. How hard it is to, you know, they're so terrified, like in a variety of different situations of being up there on the stand because they're not sure if they can adequately answer the questions that they're asked and if it will accurately reflect what their experience was. Correct. Correct. Uh, and it's not, not necessarily because the perpetrator or, or whoever the assailant is, is in the room. It's yeah. just because of the environment. It's so stressful Absolutely. that it's hard to get their thoughts clear. And it's all men. The judge yeah. is a man. Yeah. Yeah. My lawyer, my barrister's a man. His barrister, barrister yeah. men. So we had barristers, not lawyers. We had lawyers and barristers there. Yeah. It was a full-on yeah. sit, sit on the on the stand and be interviewed. Yeah, I'd been prepped, so yeah. you know he told me what to say. Yep. In the judge's remarks, when you read them back later, I um which obviously have filed away somewhere in the cupboard. Um, but in the judge's remarks, he kind of uh, uh, talked about me and said that I was very stoic, right. so saying that I was, you know, very com composed and not emotional. And, yeah. um, and that was because 
that was the role I was playing. Yes. <laughs> In actual fact, I was absolutely terrified and the most important thing in my whole life was at stake. If I'd lost the kids, I think I would have lost me. Yeah. And, and, look, and quite frankly, if I, I really, it made me stop and think, are the kids better off with him? Because he was in a married situation, you know, with a new wife and um, his new wife pregnant um, and having actually by the time that she'd already had at least one child, um, uh, actually she'd had two by this time. Um, so they had two other children. So I had to think about, is that the better environment for my children? But the number of times that my children rang me um, from their place when they were there, uh, what far out, every time they rang, I'd have to come and pick them up. And um, they were not comfortable there. They would come home and be, it would take quite some time for us to get it out of their system and they could come back to the balance that they were experiencing at home. And so I think I think what you're saying is when you when you doubted yourself and questioned correct. your convictions, correct? You know, and I, and I did, did. I definitely did. You would you would pay attention to the evidence in front of you. So correct. what I would call in psychology terms, you rea reality checked those thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And went, wait a minute, am I am yeah. I actually are they actually better off with him or maybe right. maybe I'm just you know struggling. Yes, and the, the truth is, they, that's if not they the were going to be better off with him, then it was it was me standing in their way. Yeah. Um, whereas the whole thing of me moving to Queensland had been because he had been standing in their way. Yeah. And so it made you know the whole getting the 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 court orders and everything made me stop. Yes, and have to reflect on that. Yeah, am, am I? Yeah. I am uprooting them from everything they knew, taking them to uh, a different state, which is like a different country. Yeah. Um, uh, they have to start all over again. No friends. And I'm walking away from all my support network, totally yeah. walking away. So it was a dire decision that, yes. you know, I felt and retrospectively I can look back and say it was the right decision yeah um, but at the time you don't know whether you are making the right decision you I think what's what's an interesting point you're actually answering a lot of the questions I would have asked you anyway but okay. there's there's one an interesting point you've made there where it was a huge decision and you weren't you know you can't decisions aren't a hundred percent no right? you know they're they're a bit fuzzy and if they were 100% certain, they're very easy to make. Yes. So you're having to choose between what seems like the best possible scenario. Yes. They yes. actually say in the research that one of the things when people are going through adversity, one of the things that helps them is the ability to make a good enough decision and yeah. follow it through yeah. instead of waiting for perfection. Yeah. Because if absolutely. you sit there going, it's not quite perfect, it's not quite perfect, then... No. Absolutely. Then nothing happens. You just stay correct. Kind of stuck. Correct. Absolutely um, correct. And obviously you've got to, you know, get to the balances of it being, this is the, yeah. the best of the scenarios situation. Correct. correct. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's never going to be a hundred percent. And that yeah. means there's room for you to doubt yourself, doesn't it? Yeah. it means
I'm just going to take a bit of an intermission here in this interview uh, because I want to review some of the things that have been covered so far. There's so much great information coming out in the interview. I just want to make sure you're able to pull out those pieces and use them yourself. So firstly, some of the things Sharon described uh, are going on for her or went on for her during that trauma that she went through of the custody battle. Uh, there were a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of behaviours and things going on. And I just want to highlight those for you. So I've got a list in front of me and I might refer to that from time to time. So she talked about feeling overwhelmed and shocked through most of that whole nine month period. She said there were times when she was barely functioning, uh, that she felt powerless um, and she doubted herself a lot of the time. Uh, she found it hard to speak when she was um, talking to her ex-husband because there was inequity in the relationship and it made it difficult for her to connect with her own thoughts and feelings and share them. Uh, she also said there were many times when she didn't feel she could continue, that um, uh, she had to keep staying in it and keep pushing herself through on numerous occasions. Um, some of the things she did to, um, the strategies she used to push through were to, when things really hit a wall, she reached out and went and saw her general practitioner. And uh, she felt during that appointment with the general practitioner that she was listened to and understood and reassured. And also then she was uh, encouraged to take antidepressants to manage what she was dealing with. And it wasn't a, an easy choice for her to make, it didn't sound like, but at the same time, it was, it was a really good one to make. She also was using some encouraging statements to herself, like, I can do this, I've got this, we can push through this, and just reassuring herself a lot of the time whenever she could. And whenever she doubted herself, she went through a process of reality checking that. So she had the doubt. And again, instead of being stuck in that, she um, instead looked at, wait a minute, is that, is that the reality of this situation? No, I think I am doing the right thing. I think this is better for the kids. I'm, you know, I am doing a better job with them. These are things that um, affirmed again for her that her decision making was accurate. There was one also, one really key thing, I think, that came up in this first half of the interview, which was about decisions not being at 100% certain. And that's frequently the case for people when they're going through any kind of adversity or uh, generally in life, you know, it's often difficult to find a very obvious 100% certain decision. One of the things that the research is pushing or finding a lot of is uh, that people who get through adversity and trauma the most successfully frequently make good enough decisions and then follow through with those. And it's easy, you know, given you're feeling doubtful about yourself, uh, you're feeling rattled, it can be easy to, you know, not believe in your decision-making ability and and therefore not go through with a decision if it doesn't feel 100%. So it's great if you can go, this one's good enough on the balance of it, it looks like the best possible decision I can make at this time, and I'm gonna follow through with that. That seems to give people the best possible outcomes. All right, so I hope that's just highlighted a few key issues that have come up. 
and I enjoy the second half of the interview.